Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Shrine Podcast Vigil. I'm Brendan. I'm Hannah. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you to everyone who has listened to our Vigil interview special with Lauren McFadgen, Adam James, Lauren Lyle and Tom Edge. They spilled the beans on Vigil, some line of duty goss and also details on a season two of Vigil. You can hear it exclusively on patreon.com forward slash Shrine Pod. Now, our next guest was supposed to be part of that conversation, but due to problems with comms wire leading to a short delay, he has now got his own episode. Patterson Joseph, who played Vigil's Captain Newsom, spoke to us all about what it was like to work on a fake submarine, how he got to grips with the lingo and getting married in a South Dublin suburb. We hope you enjoy. This is TV worth talking about. We're not at war. That is an illusion. This is Shrine Podcast. Now, today's guest has had an incredible career appearing in the likes of Casualty, Peep Show, Law and Order, Green Wing and Knots and Crosses, to name a few. Guilty as charged. (laughs) (laughs) And over the past six weeks, Patterson Joseph really won our hearts as Captain Newsome in Vigil. He even listened to this podcast saying he enjoyed us chatting total wonderful shite. Patterson, welcome to Shrine. Thank How you. are you? It's it's my home. This I'm. This is what I do. I talk shite. <laughs> and I, I get paid. I get paid. Well, you are in great company, and so are we. Um, Patterson, <laughs> can we just start by uh, asking you how you came to listen to our total wonderful shite? Um, well, it, it's not. It's wonderful stuff. I'm sorry, I called it shite, but uh, it was. It was <laughs> It was because it was such a frenzy of people liking it that I, I don't experience that very often. And so I got curious about what, what kind of people are watching. And the demographic is so wide, um, age, you know, ethnicity, everything. So I thought, um, who are these guys? And as soon as I heard your, your dulcet tones and, and your irrever- irreverence, I thought, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, I listened to five minutes and then it was an hour later. I like, oh, <laughs> And as I told you, as I told you, I, I, I lived in Dublin 90, uh, sort of, I got married in Blackrock, um, uh, lovely Kill of the Grange church in uh, 94. And I lived there from 94 till sort of middle of 95. And, uh, and I loved every moment of it. I mean, my only, the only reason we came back, to be honest with you, was because it was hard, it was hard for a black fella to get work in the Dublin theatre. 
not to be heavy about it, but it just wasn't the era for it. So I, I went back to London, unfortunately. Hopefully we can get you back one day. But look, Patterson, tell us, what was it like playing Captain Newsom on Vigil? You were the man of the ship. I was, but I was I was um, out of my depth in so many ways. I mean, if you think about what I say, even if you just watch one clip of me talking about, you know, full rise on the four planes, full rise in the after planes. <laughs> you read that and you go, I have no idea. I mean, I can say it in a posh sort of English voice and it sounds com- full ray. I can be saying gobbledygook, gobbledygook, gobbledygook. So it was, it was really hard. I mean, my brain was tired. I had just done a big stint in the theatre and uh, over Christmas, I mean, like two shows, nine shows a week. I was exhausted. So frankly, the look in that first episode is just me going, what have I taken on? <laughs> what have I taken on? And I thought, you know what? I'll just use that. I'll just keep using that. And, it, and in true you know, drama form, they just kept piling the stuff on top of me. So, you know, it was it was a good beginning. And by the time I had sort of got a hold with my amazing uh, Fergal, who's uh, another, uh, I think he's a Dubliner. He might, he might be a bit further west than that. But uh, he, he and I got on very well. Fergal Dalton, who was a, uh, an ex-submarine um, uh, uh, officer, he was my liaison. And he's the guy who really taught me how to speak, in which manner to speak, um, not to get too excited, not to get too angry or not to get too scared, but to hold it all together. And he taught me about the jargon. So um, that, it got better and better as I went along. I got more and more confident. Um, but uh, yeah, the beginning was just like, what is this? What is this? It's a foreign language. Yeah, it must have been very stressful at times. I mean, we all felt very anxious watching it. But when you were there, did, did it feel like you were in a submarine, like the set and everything? Yeah, do you know what's odd is, is when I watched it back, it, it was much more claustrophobic than it felt. Mm. And, I, and, I, and as much as we had a slightly bigger ship, because it wasn't that much bigger, the boat, it, it was just simply because you just got on with the job. You got in, it was like going into the office. I spent all of my time, obviously, in that sort of slightly darkened room. And so uh, it, it, you just really got into the atmosphere of being on that boat and the limits of where you could go and how fast you could walk and how, how, how loud you could speak. And it became just habitual. And by the way, the sort of uh, the thing they say is no one shouts. No matter how angry you are with somebody, you're not going to scream and shout. No one slams. I think rubbish on that boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one slams doors. I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> because then the Russians and the Chinese and the, everybody else will hear them. So sometimes they just have curtains. Uh, we had one or two scenes where you just saw a curtain, but uh, we had some doors just because it was more dramatic. But actually, sometimes they don't even have curtains. Yeah. So there's no Jeez. privacy. And that's no. it. Everybody knowing everybody causes a little village there's only you know 100 and i don't, can't remember how many there are on board but it's not it's not a you know crew of seven it's it's 100 and odd people but we all know each other we all know each other's function and it's like working in a big office a big long <laughs> two or <laughs> fields long office but the the set they built uh, was so authentic and even submarine um submariners have been saying Wow, I don't know how they got so close to it. I mean, we haven't given away any official secrets, but <laughs> we've gotten really close to how it was. So, so atmospherically, like I said, I said in another interview, sometimes it's actually got to generate. This is the world I'm in. You know, I've got to imagine that. Uh, like when I did I did a thing, sort of <laughs> post-apocalyptic thing, um, <laughs> seems to be my shtick. Where, where all survivors uh, for the BBC a few years ago, 
And we had to imagine the world with hardly any people left in it. And that's sort of takes a bit of energy, you know, yeah. to think in that way. Whereas this is like, you just walk on set, there you are in this yeah. box. That's where everybody is. You better be careful. You can't even, you know, you can't go, oh, what are we going to do? Because everybody will see. So, you know, you sort of, you're sort of on stage and he's on a little platform as well. So it's a, you know, the commander's sort of on stage the whole time. And he's the one. If anything came wrong, they're going to look at him. He's going, if, he, if he's like, you know, he's you know, scared, like his fingers in his mouth, then then everybody would freak. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really easy because it was so well made. The set production design needs to, to get a basket for that. Yeah. Yeah, well, it um, looked amazing. And Go on, Rep. There was this really emotional scene where you found out that your exo Mark Prentice had been murdered. Your characters were quite close, but I want to ask you about the fun you had on set. Do you have any funny stories of your time filming Vigil altogether? I mean, I could, but I don't. I mean, it was so we laughed all the time. I did. I laugh all the time on set. I, I find it the most relaxing way to work. That you get the best stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, sometimes if you're going to go weeping, you know, you, you kind of have to go in the corner a little bit. But otherwise, I was sure the best atmosphere to create anything is to have fun and to feel that you can try anything and say anything. So I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's going to watch it, but you need to know that every single person on that boat was a comedian. Everybody. <laughs> And uh, it doesn't matter if they were frothing at the mouth or if they were being packed over the head. It was a little gag at the end. And I don't know, the outtakes must be extraordinary because deep drama. And then suddenly somebody would, you know, fart or say something, <laughs> say some nonsense or, you know, um, I was, <laughs> it was very funny. Adam was very fond because they know him and Saran knew each other from the sort of the youth theatre days, national youth theatre days. So he was always calling us Saran Alang and Ding Dong. And I, please don't spread that. But that's very, very private between the two of them. But that's like, you know, all the tension. And then suddenly you go, Saran Alang and Ding Dong, what do you think we should do? <laughs> it all fall apart. So that, that it was tense. And I'm sure the line of duty is the same. It's like tense. You can't just sustain that all day over lunch, you know. So, so even in between takes, just to let off steam, most of us were... Sort of messing about and you know pressing buttons and what does this do? You know, <laughs> just silliness um, and generally sort of keeping each other sort of energized because you're in a dark room with dark lighting it could get really sluggish in there. Yeah, uh, and obviously a bit a bit claustrophobic with the air as well. So yeah, we we had a lot of fun. There's a lot of funny people. Connor Swindells is even though he looks very serious. Um, Love him. Yeah, and he's in Sex Education, which is just so brilliant. I'm watching this new series now. But he, even though he's got that kind of deadpan thing, he's one of the funniest, driest uh, people I know. I love him so much. Everybody, everybody had their had their shtick and everybody had their way of, you know, sort of keeping themselves in in it and keeping their energy going. And it was it was a lot of fun, I must say, um, even in the dark days of winter when we started. Yeah. yeah. The, the oddest thing, of course, was the big break. Ah, oh, COVID. Yeah, so halfway through. I would have said. Oh, that little thing. Maybe in maybe episode end of episode two. Maybe we had to stop for for pretty much the whole of the summer and came back in late August, I think, to do the rest. So and then the new director, and so it was. Um, it's great actually because I think it sort of shows the first three episodes for my money are very. They're all about this is the establishing of everything, and uh, this is all sort of very carefully done. And then when you get into the story, you're like, you just want to know who's going to do what to who, because you know the people now. Yeah. And that 
the, the second half, because again, we didn't know when lockdown was going to come back in, is much sort of punchier, mm. and, and which is perfect for a drama, right? You want it to mm-hmm. end really kind of yeah. big uh, crescendo. So yeah, it, was, it sort of worked out again, it was like silver lining on a terrible situation. Uh, Patterson, we had a word as well. We spoke with uh, Tom Edge and he told us that he is busily working away on what a season two might, could possibly involve. He said it definitely won't be set on a spaceship. Uh, where do you, where <laughs> oh, do you, I'm out. You're I'm out. out. Okay, you're out. Where do you think the vigil story could go? Oh my goodness. You know, I've been thinking about this lately. and thank, I mean, I write a bit and writing is difficult, especially for TV. And I thought, I started to think about, because somebody mentioned Vigil too, it never occurred to me, to be honest with you, because I think it's quite a complete story. And I thought, well, if they're clever, and Tom is an extremely clever writer and genius, so I'm sure they could. Me, I had no clue. I mean, we are, you know, yes, we're artists, but we're also the clowns. You, know, you put the makeup on us and we go out and we perform. We don't construct everything. That's a, somebody else's job who's much brighter than we are and has the time and the brain space to do that. So I don't know. I have no clue where you could take the story. Um, the beauty of the submarine, of course, is that it's a contained world. And you could get to know people in a deeper way. You could go backstory to the mm. stuff that happened before this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do a future story, the last voyage of Vigil as it's scrapped, you know, who knows? I mean, they're, they're very clever about that, but I, I would worry not to not have Saran in it mm. because she's so vital mm. and brilliant and the story and the emotions of the story linking with the claustrophobia of the boat and water and the depth that we're under, you know, and the accident that, took away her, her partner, that, that's such a vital part of it. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it, it might as well be the hunt for Red October. You don't really know anybody very well, and it's all just about, you know, people talking quietly and being scared. So I, I, th- I don't know where he's going to take it. I am fascinated to see. If I'm in it, I'm happy. If I'm not, I'm also happy because I'd like to see what else they come up with. Oh, we hope you're in it. I would particularly love to see Saran Jones and Rose Leslie, more Silvaker and them like solving crimes together uh, as this power yeah. duo. Well, that's, to, me, to me, that's it. You could call it a vigil, but really it's, it could be vigil in another setting. You know, she could go to, you know, I don't know, uh, the army or somewhere where yeah. it's unusual to have a soldier, uh, a, a, a police officer, an mm. outsider. Um, and that that could work. I think that would work. And I would love to see their relationship develop. Because it's, it's, yes. it's like you think every time you see a lesbian relationship, you know, or any same sex relationship in a thing, it's, it's usually it's the problem is the sexuality bit. You know, it's like, oh, there's always such a, everything's a problem. Whereas this was more about the emotional re- sort of mm-hmm. letting go and allowing herself to be loved by someone she loved. And that, that was, to me, that was like an advance in our understanding, you know, of same-sex relationships. Because it wasn't about the fact that they were the same sex. It was just the fact these two people loved each other. And it was difficult because of all sorts of reasons for, for the main character, for Saran, for Amy, to accept it and to embrace it. Which is, you know, it's quite a common story in all, yeah. you know, great 
was about love. Um, so Yeah, and we read that you described it as one of the most beautiful get-together scenes that you've ever witnessed. Yeah, because you want it to happen. You love the two of them. You want them to, to get together. You see how difficult it is. And then they never are together because they're separated by miles of water and land, you know. And then suddenly there's that beautiful scene, which is almost... Um, it's almost fantastical because of the lighting is so beautiful. This Isabel Seed, um, amazing, amazing work. And of course, mm. the DOP. Um, and I, and I had, I had goosebumps watching it because it was, it was, a, it was like a scene almost from another space. Cause it was another space in her head, another space in time for both of them. And it was, it was just beautifully done. Mm. It was real. It felt, it felt thought out. And the two of them played it like a, a dream, and um, yeah, I hope I hope um, that, like I said, like young people who who are struggling maybe with their sexuality or, or, or somebody older who's thinking, this is how I feel about this person. How could just to see the normality? Yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah, and the fans loved it. Phil Baker trending on Twitter. Me and Reb, I think we both cried at that scene, didn't we? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. It was so emotional. It was magical as well. It was lovely to see the, it's the normality and not yes. just this whole who have, oh, I think I'm gay or anything like that. It was just actually every day. Like, oh, I've fallen in love with a person. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter mm, about yeah. anything else. It's just a person I love. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. it was beautiful. Now, Patterson, have to talk to you about um, some of the Hollywood movies that you starred in, particularly the Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> that won't take long. Um, Hollywood movies. Uh, well, I did one. I mean, listen, the reason I, made, I went to Ireland at all was uh, in the name of the father with the amazing Jim Sheridan. Oh, and wow. And Day Lewis. That was my first movie. And um, I, I went across to Dublin for the first time, took Aer Lingus for the first time. I hope they've improved. Love an Aer Lingus. Uh, oh, no, Aer Lingus are the best. Such a warm reception. Yeah. I, I are would they breakfast. sponsoring? Are they sponsoring this podcast? They're absolutely not. <laughs> They're, very they They're very welcome to. They're very welcome to. They are very I f- welcome. I recently to. flew for the first time in eighteen months, and I flew Aer Lingus. And when oh, the, when the woman on the plane said "Welcome aboard, Patterson," I nearly burst into tears. She said it with such oh. warmth. Oh, See, Patterson, we yeah. have another airline now called Ryanair, and that is sort of made Aer Lingus the, the, the bougie airline. Well, so the fact that Brendan flew Aer Lingus, I'm pretty blown away. There Brandon, was a line in Vigil about Ryanair, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. There actually was. There was. There was. Yes. I mean, quite deservedly. I, I've travelled because I lived in France for many years. I've been travelling Ryanair for 20, nearly 25 years. Honestly, it's gotten, it got worse. It just got worse. And when we had our baby, it was like, oh, we can't, we can't touch anything. Like we got the baby in the pram and they're trying to get in the bed and the bags like, no, we can't, we're not allowed to touch anything. Can't help you. Ah, and then, you know, obviously the the joke of you're going to have to pay to go to the loo, which was, which was a half joke because we wondered if actually, yeah, O'Leary might do that, you know, put, put, uh, put a couple of punts in the door. If you haven't got changed, tough luck. Well, I think it's safe to say they won't be sponsoring the podcast. No, they won't be sponsoring anything, but I won't be getting free flights. I know that one. Uh, Patterson, oh before you uh, became an actor, you were a chef. Am I right saying that? I need to correct m- m- the mythology that I probably started. Oh, so, here we go. Because okay. everybody says this, it's, it's everywhere. And I was talking about this today on the, the BBC, and I was like, look, the truth is, I mean, I guess journalists uh, are lazy oh, sometimes. Yes. But the story is so long winded that they just cottoned on, like, yeah, he's a chef. 
But actually, it's a more convoluted story, but I'm not going to tell it. I'll just say I was a catering assistant about to be trained. Better than my... better than Jackie? Oh, well, I mean, I didn't poison anybody. Well, that's a bonus. <laughs> that will settle for that. That's a start. Or myself to death. No. Um, uh, no, I, I was a catering assistant and I, and I got bored of it for various reasons that I've written about and talked about endlessly. And so I never made it to the to the college because they kept on making me make you know sandwiches uh, 220, 220 i remember my 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 biggest order 220 ham and cheese sandwiches it takes a while oh, wow. your brain goes in and this is not chefing so uh i, I then went to a youth theater and that was me done well it worked out didn't it i saw the bright lights and that was it I was off hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Now, we have to ask you about your Dublin wedding. What are the chances that you got married in Dublin? Please tell us everything about the day. What was the meal like? Did anything mental happen? By the way, I mean, it's a very long time. I'm, I'm now divorced about six years unfortunately but uh my memories of it 1994 i mean i'm an i'm an ancient man so it's hard to remember everything i'm trying to remember where we went i want to say lamb something but i don't know oh um lamb doyles Doyles. yeah yeah thank you people i live close by well that's where we had our wedding reception reception. lovely they used to Um, do a great coke float in the 90s i always remember getting a coke (laughs) float for dessert (laughs) not a tooth left in my head I, mean, I guess we we were just thinking we're a little classier than Coke floats. Okay. I wish we had coffee. I wish we had coffee. But it was a mixed wedding. You see, it was um, it was it was sort of well, English Irish and 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 kind of uh, and French because uh, my mm. wife's half French is French. Sorry. Um, so so there was uh, there there was a, the memory I have of of getting married in Killer the Grange was uh, I'd never I'd never. Uh, been in a big Church of Ireland church, and it, it was it was it was magnificent. I mean, I was brought up as a Catholic um, in uh, in London, 
Um, I might as well have been an Irish Catholic because the school I went to is called uh, Jesus and Mary Convent. And it was. In oh, Rosemary. yeah. And I went in about 68, 69. I know. And uh, <laughs> but everybody, everyone in the school was Irish. The nuns were Irish and the kids were Irish. I was the only black kid in it. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, Ireland, I know I could tell you some stories about that, but I- Ireland was was special to me because mm. of the people. You know, my first best friends were, were all Irish, obviously. Eamon killed Gareth. Where is he now? Uh, Timmy O'Connor. <laughs> Timmy O'Connor, I cried when Timmy O'Connor, at seven years old, went to went back to Ireland. And he sent me, oh. and he sent me a letter, the great lad. He sent me a letter uh, with era on it. And I was like, I thought he'd gone to Ireland. I was confused for <laughs> Oh, but anyway, the Killer of the Grange. I remember uh, we had to have a ceremony there because we got married in a registry office because we were we were evangelical Christians. I'm not anymore, but mm. we were. So we didn't really believe in all the sort of bells and smells, but we had to be married somewhere official as well, or at least we wanted a ceremony. So that's where that's what we did there, and then up to Lambs Lamb Doyles. Lamb and it's up the Dublin Mountains, kind of. It's kind of sandy for it, but it's it's in the Dublin Mountains. Lovely view. Gorgeous. Yeah, no, yeah, really gorgeous. And I have great great memories of Johnny Foxes. Is it called Johnny Foxes? Yeah, that's near there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. My first time I tried sourdough. Oh, first time I tried sourdough. I've never had sourdough before. Uh, Guys, this is fabulous. And they used to call you, they used to call you Paddy Joe. Yeah, and you know, no, I didn't take any offense <laughs> by it because I was I was glad to be part of the of the Kaylee. Um, we, we would have we so I, my my mates. One of them was um, <laughs> uh, Anne uh, was was is an Irish teacher, Irish and German teacher, and uh, and uh, her husband was uh, a muso as well. <laughs> and and she she showed me uh, the 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 Baron, and I was like, ah, oh, I mean, I I I was playing. Um, a sort of small djembe, which is like a, an African drum. I've been playing that just to mess about. And I saw this drum. I was like, how does that work? And I went to a, a session in a, in a pub and there they were playing it. And I thought I could play that. I'm sure I could play that. <laughs> and as soon as I got hold of it, it was like felt so at home. I wish I had it with me. I felt so at home. And I, I did the pineapple apricot, which is how you start. Pineapple apricot. Apricot. Yes. And then watermelon, 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 watermelon. <laughs> And then I learned to do the clicks, watermelon, kick the watermelon, and the, and, the, and the triples. And I got so good at it that I ended up doing a couple of, being in a couple of sessions. I don't think I could be heard because I wasn't confident enough to really whack at it. Yeah. But boy. And, and, and by the way, see waxing lyrical about it, but that, this is the wonderful thing. I've never had this before or since. I'm on the set of In the Name of the Father. We're in uh, Kilmainham Jail. And that's where all our caravans and things, the unit base, as we call it, you get makeup and wardrobe and all that. And the, and the actors' hovels or little cabins, like three, one caravan, but split in three. But I remember the first day we were on set, by the time sort of afternoon had come, we were waiting around for a little while for them to set up the lights. Three or four people had sort of popped in to say hi. Uh, and I must tell you how my reaction to, as a Londoner, to the Irish was, actually. Please remind me to <laughs> Um, because I was a Londoner and you don't talk to strangers in London. Uh, everybody was talking to me, like, what is going on here? What is this crazy thing? And so people would just come in and say, hey, how are you doing? Hi there, what's the crack? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. And they'd yeah, come in, come in. <laughs> Very formally British. And they'd go, do you play? Do you play anything in the instrument? And they'd go, oh, and they'd whip out a tin whistle. 
and, and go away. And then I go, oh, and I turn over a dustbin and we were playing away. And then somebody go, how do you get that? And then the next day, somebody brought in a mandolin and then it just became a session. I think that is brilliant. Twice, uh, three times maybe before, <laughs> before the production, <laughs> guys went, guys, can you get <laughs> down? <laughs> In a movie, actually filming a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that ended that crack. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, great memories. Great memories of, of Dublin in particular. Yeah. Oh, that is Did brilliant you, stuff. It's amazing. Did you live in Kalini when you were in Dublin? Is that yeah, yeah Kalini? Yeah, yeah. You know, Matt yeah, yeah. Damon was living there during the lockdown. Well, in the area, it's so funny. What is it with Hollywood people? And he Dublin? loved it. Yeah, I of think he's. He did he did. stay in Eddie Irvine's mansion? Isn't that what he rented? In his right. old mansion in Dorky, I think he was renting that. I'm Dorky. Okay, yes, yes. I that, oh, did he go on the dart? Was he? Did he jump? I'd on the say dart? he did. He got really into life in Dorky. Like he was carrying. Like there was, there's a famous photo of him going to the beach with his children, and yes. very, very Irish. He's got all the tails and all their stuff just in a super queen, like a plastic bag. <laughs> and people were blown away. They were like Matt Damon, Hollywood star, on yes. Doggy Beach with a super queen bag. So I'm sure he was on the dart. Patterson, it's, it's did crazy. you go for sea it's swims when you were there? I'm sorry. What's that? Did you go for sea swims when you were there? Are you kidding me? No, I'm a Londoner. Forget about it. Oh, okay. No, I come from landlocked London. No, and I'm not going to swim in the Irish Sea. Come on, no, not me. No, no. I'm right. Well, the next time you're I'm over, we're Caribbean descent. I'm we're a Caribbean a descent. session, and we're going swimming in the sea. That not not with, not with me, unless I got a full dry suit and flippers, uh, and no, because because you know my my, my temperature would would plummet. I'd get pneumonia. It would be worth it for just one time. <laughs> we need you to be okay for vigil season two. So yes, maybe exactly. A bit of prep. Yeah, I don't mind being in the water, but as long as I'm covered with the, you know, exactly. uh, three double-deckers uh, worth of metal above <laughs> me. And, Patterson, look, I'm a big Peep Show fan. I'm pretty blown away by the fact that we're on this call. I'm sure you're sick of getting asked this question, but yeah. I just have to. Do you ever think they will bring it back? Oh, God. I mean, I can imagine them bringing back a sort of one-off or doing a movie or something, but um, and maybe then the writers will get their wish which I, I really wish they'd done, which is to end Johnson's life in... No! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 but beautifully and quite romantically. So he should be found, <laughs> I suggested, in, in, a, in a bath, like that picture of the um, Maritzad, I think it is, where he's lying in the bath and he's just got a paper in his hand and it's just like, and he's obviously slip slashed his wrist and they pick it up and it's a love letter to Mark. Oh, that actually will. Okay. I'm okay. Like, full circle. Like, remember when he drew, he, got, he grew his own <laughs> moustache in the first thing, you know, first episode I was ever with him in. I think it's just to bring it back. Mark, I've loved you all these years. No. I'll tell you. <laughs> but we can never be together, Mark, because of Sophie. And so I end my life thinking only of you. Good luck. Godspeed. Johnson. And I think that would be the perfect end. It'd be a perfect ending for him. Oh, okay. I have to calm down. That was absolutely incredible. And I actually do hope that happens now. (laughs) Because everybody's so sort of, everybody's everywhere. We've got Hollywood, you know, royalty. Uh, I don't think you've got one of your own on Strictly Come Dancing. Did I not see him flying around the dance floor during the week? He's doing very well. The only reason I'm watching it this season is him. And um, although you fall in love with everybody, don't you, in the end? Um, Pretty much. And they all fall in love with each other. They do. Strictly curse. 
Yeah, but the first time I watched Strictly, we're talking about Strictly, but the first time I watched Strictly was years ago when it first started, and they never did all that lovey-dovey stuff. It was just like, it happened a couple of times, for real, and then now it's become like, ooh, who's going to get together? Which I, I felt, to be honest with you, I was like, oh, that's a bit lame. Just because they're dancing together, it doesn't have to be all about, you know, they're going to get it together. It's like they're acting romantically. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be real. But that's just me being a bit sort of, um, I don't know. I just get, you know, I don't like the backstories that, that go on and on. I feel like you met there to dance. We'll find out about you. Yeah. It's great. But yeah. you don't do all the, oh, they're really getting on. It's like, yeah, of course they're getting on. They've got to dance together. Yeah. What if they hated each other? Up close and personal. That would be really interesting if two couples went, we cannot abide the presence of the other. I can't stand the way they smell. You'd I don't know, know it by their body language. And they, and they, but they were amazing dancers. Yeah. Like, but they were just like, amazing. And you go, wow, that, that I'd find very but they good. hate each other. Yeah, actually, that sounds fantastic. Uh, Patterson, <laughs> drama. Patterson, we are almost out of time, but we have a couple of uh, final Ooh. questions for you. You've written a novel. Can you tell us about the secret diaries of Charles Ignatius Sancho? Well, pronounced and well said. The Secret Diaries of Charles Ignatius Sancho are about the first black man ever recorded to vote in a British election. He was an 18th century man born on a slave ship, ended up in Greenwich in London when he was a toddler, um, was taught secretly by the Duke of Montague, the right hand to the king, to read and write. And he grew up to be a musician and a composer and an actor briefly with David Garrick, very famous actor of the 18th century. And he eventually ended up owning a shop. And because he was a property owner, there were no racist laws. I mean, the Irish had it worse than the blacks in a lot of ways on British, on the British mainland, because they were hated, because they were papists. And, and the amazing thing is, if you had property, you could vote, unless you were a woman, of course. Mm-hmm. So he voted in 1774 and then finally in 1780, the year he died. And he voted for a sort of proto-abolitionist MP called Charles James Fox. So his life is extraordinary. He's a funny man. And so I've written about him in a dark time. He's a a man who's found what I call a militant joy. You know, his music is is pop songs. You know, it's like reels and and cotillions and dances. and, And there's a kind of joy in it, even though he knew exactly what was going on from his letters. We know he was trying to petition for the end of slavery. So uh, an amazing man and a funny man. And finally, if you want to just see an image of him, which is what caught my eyes, Thomas Gainsborough painted him in 1768. And that's the amazing portrait that you could see online if you just Google it. Extraordinary. He looks like a a gentleman. He's got his hands in his pockets, like a a man of leisure, although he was the valet, valet to the Duke of Montague. Um, But he's an extraordinary fellow. and And I obviously, as you can hear, deeply love him. In fact, my, my name on Zoom is Ignatius Sancho. I was about yeah, to say see that. I yeah, yeah, yeah. On Zoom and Twitter. And Twitter and email. So every, nice. everybody hopefully will know about him. And I'm trying to work on a, a screen version of the of Oh, the novel. fabulous. Fantastic. Doing my brain, doing my brain in. <laughs> so there you go. Um, just really quickly, we had got some of our uh, Shrine Pod listeners to send in a few questions, a few quick fire questions to ask okay. you. Um, right. So will we, will we take it away? We have a few each, don't we? Let's uh, do yeah, advice. we do. Yeah, I'll sure. We've got four minutes. Okay. Yes, we quick. have four Go. minutes. Okay, so Liz wants to know, would you have liked to have been the villain in Vigil? No. Moving Great. on. Brilliant. No, only because only, no, only because I wanted it and we all wanted everybody to feel a bit guilty so that everybody went, isn't it him? Isn't it him? And because I've done some stuff that's like, it could be a bit villainous, I wanted to play that. But I didn't want okay. to be guilty. It was too, it was too obvious, too easy. Maybe season two. Um, 
<laughs> okay, this is from Mel who says, why didn't you give Doward a proper bollocking when he missed the cruise ship above <laughs> on the sonar? Because if you do that, you discourage the crew. So you, there's a morale issue here. And I did tell them twice. In fact, I added the line at the end. <laughs> hey, focus. And that was just me. Yeah, that was brilliant. That was just me. And everybody burst out laughing. Oh, God, I'll, I'll, I'll be <laughs> but, but actually, that is, the, that is because of Fergal. You know, you don't shout to people. If you start shriek, screaming and shouting first, you'll be heard. But also, it's, it's morale reducing. So that's why. He's being quite diplomatic, even though he wanted to go, you absolute asshat. We loved that focus line. We laughed about it so much on the podcast. Lastly, Thumbs68 asks, are you going to be the next Doctor Who? No. Well, James that, Bond. that was succinct, wasn't it? Uh, no. No to James Bond and no to Doctor Who. Not been asked. And there's an end. There's an end. Uh, Patterson, one final one. Now, this is from us. Uh, we know you are not beside your beloved Baron at the moment. But, I mean, uh, did were you ever shown how to play the spoons during your time in Ireland? Thankfully, no. Okay, that, that answers that one as no, well. Don't try and get me to play the spoons. Come on! I, just, just stick them between I'm your exactly fingers. That's what we're trying to do. Stick them between your fingers. I've only got one. Is it t- two minutes left? Next question. That's it. That's, that's the last question. We have two what minutes left in the kitchen drawer. I'm in. I'm, I'm allowed to say this now. I'm in the new uh, Willy Wonka musical with Yes, Timothy I Chocolate. saw this. And um, I'm playing one of the chocolatiers, uh, who is his sort of enemy, basically. Aha, I get to play a bit of a villain. Uh, and my two cohorts are the amazing Matt Lucas and the extraordinary Matt Bainton. And that, the three of us are like this uh, <laughs> crazy gang uh, of chocolatiers in this cartel. That's all I can tell you. Oh, that's going to be great fun. When, when can we expect that one? I wouldn't have thought until 2023. Um, it's a big old thing. And I don't think we finished filming it anyway till February. So it'll take at least a year for that to come out. Amazing. Say. Cannot wait to see it. Very exciting. Patterson, that is it from us. And that Thank is it you from guys. Shrine. As easy as I knew it would be. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a joy to talk to you. And we have to get you back on for a Bowron performance. Adamant. I played the baron for somebody the other day on Zoom and they went, I can't hear a thing. I think I've got the thing on. If any noise happens, it just cuts it off. So clearly it was it had a musical taste, the Zoom, and just cut it off. I don't think I can play on Zoom. Well, if you ever come to Dublin, we're going to Lamb Doyle's. And we'll, go. we'll start I've a session in Lamb Doyle's. To come to, and I will, I will, I will. I'll let you guys know. Patterson Joseph, thank you so much for talking to us on Shrine. My pleasure, truly. Thanks for listening to our chat with the lovely Patterson Joseph. If you've still got a submarine-shaped hole in your life, we do have more vigil conversations for you to hear. We have chatted with Lauren McFadden, who played Dodgy Doward, Adam James, who was Prentice, Lauren Lyle, who played Jade, and Tom Edge, who created and wrote Vigil. They gave us the behind-the-scenes goss, never-before-heard line-of-duty news that will floor you, and also details on season two of Vigil. That interview is available to hear exclusively on patreon.com forward slash shrine pod. We'll be back soon covering more TV we're talking about. In the meantime, we're around to chat on Insta and Twitter at shrine pod. How are you with confined spaces? This is TV worth talking about. So we want to hear what you have to say. Find shrine podcasts on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at shrine pod. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.